Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning. Oh, you're allowed to say good morning. Excellent. Okay, my name is Mark, as Yvette said. Normally, I'm sort of in that back room uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, pressing buttons with a headset on and switching cameras, but uh, they've let me out front today, so I've escaped from the, the dark room. But I really wish I was back there now, to be honest. And <laughs> One thing I've noticed as I get older is, I don't know how to say it, well, how slightly odd I am. There's things about my personality. Uh, there's little quirks and habits and character traits that are just plain weird and awkward. You just have to ask my wife or my kids, and they will definitely vouch for us. The good thing about getting older, however, is A, that I've realized that we're all slightly weird and slightly odd in our own ways, and B, I care less and less uh, about these things, and I just accept them for being part of what makes me, me. I'm a, a textbook shy introvert, which means that when I go into new situations and meet new people for the first time, I find it really awkward. I've never enjoyed parties where I don't know people, and even some parties where I do know people, I can find really awkward. Like Over the years, I have learned some skills uh, to help make those situations easier, but the truth be told, I don't really enjoy them. Remember, like pre-COVID and meetings like this, when uh, someone from the front said, oh, turn around and talk to the person beside you. Well, in those situations, like a, a fear comes over me and a panic and uh, what am I going to say? And that's just when I was sitting beside my wife, never mind like people I didn't know. Uh, thankfully, COVID has that nearly did it this morning, but you said talk to your bubbles. That was okay. I let her away with that one. And thankfully, COVID has stopped that practice. In saying that, having an understanding of my personality has helped me uh, over the years. I've, I've realized as a person, I love individual sports, so I love cycling and skiing are probably my two favorite sports rather than team sports. And it's also guided me in my choice of career uh, and what I've done over the years. For example, I have avoided any type of sales job or any role that requires constantly engaging with new people. I see Gary here this morning. I just am admirative of Gary Bridge. He's, whenever he meets people, he just meets people feel warm. He's, he makes them feel welcome, and he makes them feel at ease. I'm the opposite. When I meet new people, they just feel awkward, and I feel awkward, and then I'd never sell anybody anything, to be honest, was in that role. But I've like, put me in a, a dark room with a computer and a spreadsheet, and I come alive. That's my, that's my happy place. I was going to say, do I get a shout-out from the introverts today? But you're not going to shout-out if you're nervous, so that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I wouldn't. I must be the most awful person when <laughs> in an audience. They're just like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> whether we realize it or not, or whether we like to admit it or not, we all have limits. We're all made in God's image. Yes, we're all of equal value. We're all of equal worth. But we all have different talents, we have different gifts, we have different abilities, different capabilities. You know, some people are smarter, some people are more athletic, some people are funnier, some people are more outgoing, some people are more intellectual, some people more, are more practical, and the list could go on and on. And we're all also at different stages of life as well, with different responsibilities, and we can find ourselves in different circumstances, and we have a choice on how we respond to where we find ourselves. 
We can come resentful at some of the limitations we're living with. We can try to kick back, maybe ignore them and sort of carry on regardless. We also may think that limits, well, they're just there to be broken. They just hold us back and restrict us. I want to press through them. I want to press on. I don't care about the limits that are around me or the limits that are in my circumstance of life. And I do want to stop here and say right at the start that what I'm talking about today is not about limiting ourselves or limiting what God can do through us. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, understanding our limits can actually free us to focus on what we're called to do and what we need and what we need actually to say no to. to. So limits can really help us in that, to help us focus in on what we're called to do. Limits can help us see that we cannot do everything as Stu so eloquently reminded us last week. We are not God. We cannot know everything. We cannot do everything. We cannot be there for everyone. We cannot just keep going and going and ignore our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual health because eventually things we start to unravel and we have the potential to damage ourselves and those closest to us. I would even hazard a guess this morning that the chances are that for some of us, maybe some of our greatest regrets, or whether that's morally, financially, or relationally, or professionally, perhaps, whatever it is, they could have been avoided if we had recognized and embraced the limits of the season of life that we were in at the time. God created us to live within limits. Our limitations, they keep us humble, they remind us that we are not God, they protect us, they guide us, and they help to sustain us and they help to acknowledge our weaknesses and our dependence on God. Uh, Peter Scazzaro takes it a step further and says this, how we choose to understand and respond to our limits goes to the core of our relationship with God. How we choose to understand and respond to our limits goes to the core of our relationship with God. And that's quite a statement. That understanding, acknowledging, and actively embracing our limits is one of the keys to a deeper relationship with God. And he goes on to reference a few scriptures to illustrate this. The first one we're going to look at is right back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, in the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 to 4. And God has placed them in this amazing garden, and he tells them to work it and to take care of it, to create and enjoy all of their God-given freedom and power, bringing order out of chaos at the time, partnering with God to shape this beautiful paradise. Then, really without any explanation that I can see, God sets a limit. Genesis 2, 16 says this. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. This garden was full of incredible trees that looked beautiful, produced the most amazing fruit, and then right in the middle of the garden, God placed this other tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and he told Adam and Eve not to eat from this tree or they would die. From what I can see, he didn't didn't say why, He didn't explain himself. He didn't give a reason. This was an issue of trust and obedience, of acknowledging that there are aspects of who God is and how he works that we will never really be able to understand or grasp. And of course, we know the story. Satan starts to sow little seeds of doubt in their minds. You know, God's holding you back. You're going to miss out. God's ruining your life by telling you not to eat from this tree. Genesis 3 Verse 4 says, You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And of course, we know what happened. Afraid that God was holding back on them, they crossed the limit, they grabbed at the tree, they ate the fruit, and the consequences were unleashed and are with us to this day. Basically, sin entered the world as a result of FOMO. How many of us have crossed limits, boundaries driven by fear, maybe fear of missing out and regretted it and had to live with the consequences? So that's the first story, Adam and Eve in the garden. The second is from the life of Jesus, who Paul called the second Adam. And the same temptation that confronted Adam and Eve in the garden is faced by Jesus in the wilderness right at the start of his ministry. But unlike the first Adam, Jesus trusts in his father and embraces his limits and doesn't go beyond them. So we'll pick up the story in Matthew chapter 4, and Jesus was in the wilderness, and verse 2 says this, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Anybody think that's a bit of an understatement? <laughs> the longest full fast that I ever done a long time ago was 21 days. And hungry doesn't even begin to describe how you feel after that time, never mind 40 days. He would have felt weak. He'd have been incredibly hungry, tired, and vulnerable. And he, Satan comes to him at that point of weakness. Verse 3 says, This tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The invitation is to cross the limit. And the limit is the Father saying to wait and trust him, not to use his power at this time because the timing wasn't yet right. In the second temptation, Jesus, uh, Satan tells Jesus to jump off the top of the temple and demonstrate his power, that all these people would believe and, and see his amazing power and they would believe in him. But again, Jesus embraced God's limits, knowing the timing wasn't right and quietly walks down the temple steps without any miracle. The third temptation, Matthew 4, verse 8 says this, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Satan basically says, just skip over your God-given limits. Forget God's timing and the plan he has for you. Don't wait. Don't miss out. You can have it all now. But again, Jesus embraces the limits of the Father. He obeys. He surrenders. He trusts and he waits for God's timing. And in fact, Jesus did this throughout his whole ministry and his time on earth. Even though he was God, he limited himself to a human body. Talking about Jesus, Paul says in Philippians 2, says this, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus embraced the limitations of being human. He didn't heal every sick person. He didn't drive out any, every demon. He didn't actually travel very far. He didn't build a massive church. He constantly took time out to rest and to pray. He only chose 12 pretty flawed people. And from the outside, this looked like a really risky plan or a risky strategy, but Jesus only did what the Father said. Surrendered to him trusted in his plans, and embraced the limitations of the season that he was in. And understanding the limitations of the season of life that we are in is key to this. 
Ecclesiastes 3 says a famous verse, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. If you're a teenager, that's a limit, I'm afraid. You might think it. If you're in your 20s, you're limited. You're just starting out life experience. In your 30s, maybe it's a limit trying to establish your career. In your 40s, maybe you're there going through a midnight life crisis. That's a limit. I'm in my 50s now, which has brought a whole new set of limits. Again, if you're in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, whatever decade it is, they all have different limits. If you've just had a baby or have small children, well, that is a season and brings limits. If, you've, if you or your child have additional needs, then that brings different kinds of limits. Maybe you're in a season where you're looking after an elderly parent. You could be in a season where things are going well financially. You could be in a season where you're struggling financially. You could be in a season where you need to focus on studying, which brings limits. You could be in a season of life where you're pushing for motion, you're taking on more responsibilities. Maybe you're in a season of life where you're beginning to step back. Maybe, you, maybe you're walking through a season of grief or loss. You could be in a season where you're emotionally fragile, maybe with anxiety or depression. Maybe you're in a season of physical health limitations and you need to manage those. If you're married, that's a limit. If you think you can continue to live like a single person when you're married, that will not end well. Take it from me. If you're single, you've got different types of limits. Think about what are the limits of this season and your emotional, physical, relational and intellectual capacity in the season of life that you're in. What season are you in? Can you recognize some of the limits and some of the limitations of the season they're in? Of course, there are times and seasons when we may have to really focus and like work long hours, like maybe starting a business or dealing with a crisis or unexpected growth, but we all need to recognize that, that when that season has ended and when it's time to cut back and take a rest, and that may mean making some really tough choices. Uh, my son turns 18 this month, which is honestly unbelievable. Like anybody who's around here at the start of the, when we planted this church, it's hard to find that hard to believe as well. And I find some old photos of my kids when I was preparing this talk. I'm easily distracted, so anything to part doing it. And photos when they were really young, and it just like it literally just seemed like yesterday. If you're a parent with young kids, I say just absolutely treasure uh, this time with them. And I know it's a cliche, but they really do <laughs> grow up so quickly. Don't sacrifice working long hours at the expense of your family. And that's going to be harder for those of us who are really ambitious or competitive. In your drive to succeed, it's easy to convince yourself that you're doing this for all the right reasons. You know, you're doing it for the good of your family or to give them a better life. And I've been there when I've been working so hard and been so focused on work that I haven't been emotionally or even physically present for my family at times. And I'll never get that time back. And it's easy to justify it and think we're doing it for all the right reasons. As probably you've guessed so far, that uh, my wife is, is uh, one of the compassion pastors here in uh, Lagan Valley Vineyard. She's primarily focused on helping people in the community, sort of keeping us focused outwards. And the, the very nature of her job means that She's dealing with people in trauma. Most of the time, the people she's helping are coming from very difficult situations. And so it's, a, it's an emotionally demanding job. And I, I kind of see it from, from, I definitely see that. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying, but she's been on a journey over the last few years of trying to understand her capacity and acknowledging her limits and managing her emotional health. 
And that's been a very difficult journey at times for her, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying. Because in her job, there's always going to be more needs than she has the capacity or the resources to cope with. And one thing I really admire about Yvette is her ability to say no when she's reached her capacity. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to do because there's a lot of pressure on you. But she knows the consequence if she just keeps going to her. And some of us learn to need to learn to say no at times without feeling guilty. It's okay to say no. You can't do everything. And if you just reacted with a cold sweat to me saying that, then maybe you're in that place already. I have to be honest, I don't always help my wife uh, in managing her limits. One thing she doesn't like to do is have deep, big, deep conversations uh, right before she goes to sleep. You know, she likes to wind down and relax and de-stress before from all the kind of pressures of her day. Of course, what do I keep going? I get into bed and trying to launch in some big emotionally charged conversation. And then I get really annoyed when she doesn't want to talk about it. On Saturday mornings, Yvette likes to kind of start her day slowly. She likes time to relax, not feel the pressure to kind of always meet other people's needs. What do I do most Saturdays? I jump up, I've got a list of things that need done. I've gathered my head all week, I'm trying to get this done. Say, right, we need to do this and this and this. And of course, that scenario never ends well either. <laughs> and some tension can be created at times. Of course, Yvette's perfectly right and needs time to unwind and rest. Well, I'm the opposite. I think I can't relax until everything's done. But the truth is, if things get done on my list, it's not the end of the world. I'm on a journey of learning to be rather than always doing, as Hannah reminded us so uh, well a few weeks ago. And that's not an easy journey for some of us. Just on a, on a side note, one of my other rules here, apart from pressing buttons at the back there, is uh, chair of the board of trustees. And I get to see a little of what happens behind the scenes here. And can I just say, and I want to say it from the front, that we have an amazing pastoral and staff team here and that they've done an incredible job over the last year. And I know, <laughs> I know because I've, I've seen this, that it's not been easy for them. And they've dealt with some really difficult situations and, walk, situations and walked aside alongside many of you in the last 18 months. Can I ask you to just to give these guys grace? They are not superhuman. They don't have unlimited capacity. They need to manage their own spiritual and emotional and physical health. Can I ask you to pray for them? Can I ask you to encourage them? Can I ask you to champion them? Can I ask you to look out for them and to bless them? Because they really are a gift to us as a church. I want to finish this morning just with a story from the life of King David. And here's the context, and you can find the story in 2 Samuel 7. So David's now king over Israel. His power has been consolidated. Things have never been better for him. He's riding this wave of popularity. He's publishing these incredible psalms. He, and he has this burning desire to build a temple for God so that all the surrounding nations would know how great the God of Israel. He's got the money. He's got the labor. He has the people's support. He initially even had the, the support of the prophet Nathan, encouraging him to go for it. And yet, God limits him. And God says no. And this is a defining moment in David's life and leadership. 
And how he reacts, and how will he react to God saying no? It's going to be embarrassing. You know, what, people, what are people going to think? He's already announced his plans. It doesn't make sense to him. All these other kings have, these other nations have these great temples to their God. Meanwhile, David and Israel and, and even the God of Israel look weak in comparison to these surrounding nations. So what does he do? The Bible said that he sat down and prayed. And by the time he had finished, he had surrendered to this limit that God had put on him. A plan that he couldn't fully see or fully understand. And David, like many of us at times, have wrestled with a core spiritual issue when we find ourselves in situations like this. Can I trust that God is good? That he knows what he's doing? And even though I don't understand it or see the full picture, I choose to trust him. David accepts that he's too limited to see the big picture, the big thing that God is doing. God has said no, and David chooses to let his dream go. Can you imagine a situation where you had the money, the resources, the time, the motivation, and the support to do something that you had a big dream for? You've maybe talked about it to other people. You've maybe advertised it. You feel your motives of it. You want to honor God, and then God says no. That's really tough. Maybe you've been there, maybe you are there. And it takes incredible trust and character and humility to let it go. Can I invite the guys back up? I would imagine for all of us over the last 18 months, there have been many things that we've had to let go of or haven't happened because of what's been going on in the world around us. And it would be easier, easy for us to say, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm going to take control. It's time to fight back. Let's press on. Let's start making up for all this lost time. Let's launch lots of new things. Let's feel bigger. Let's build better. Let's charge on. Let's mobilize. Let's go for it. This is time to mobilize. In fact, Andy and the team here believe that God is saying at this time that it's a time to stop. It's a time to rebuild, to refocus to realign our lives. We have the opportunity here to put in place some things that are gonna sustain us for the long haul. For some of us, this last year has exposed maybe some of the shaky foundations that we've built our lives on. And it's only really when those things have been taken away that we've realized this, maybe like Sunday services or not being able to meet together. And we felt a bit lost, maybe a bit disconnected from God and from church. We have an opportunity, however, to address this before we move on. Not to rush back to the way we did things before, not to continue with the spirituality that relies on something external other than Jesus alone to sustain us. And part of this is recognizing and embracing the limits that God has put in place in our lives. Limits keep us grounded and humble. They remind us that we are not in charge, that we are not God that we cannot do everything. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't do everything he could have so that he could do everything he was supposed to do. Jesus didn't do everything he could have so that he could do everything he was supposed to do. Why should we be any different? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge today that you are God. 
we submit and surrender to you again today. Lord, would you help us to recognize some of the limits that you've put in our lives in the season that are not there to be uh, pushed through or fought against or, or reacted to, Lord, but help us in humility and grace to accept. Lord, that we could deepen our relationship with you, that we could know you better, that we could increase our trust in you. And Lord, I pray for all of us, for those things that we face. Lord, would you give us grace? Lord, would you help us? Would you show us? Would you guide us? And would you lead us? give us the courage to say no when we have to. Give us the grace to, to pull back and to step back. Lord, we say that we are dependent on you and we trust you. We thank you, Lord, that you limited yourself, Jesus, when you came. In your life, and your death, and your resurrection, you limited yourself that we could have freedom. Thank you, Lord.